best friend died. More accurately, they were murdered. As you watch the crime tape, your blood boils. The taste of revenge already sweet in your mouth. Later that day, you embark to avenge the murder. You reach the place of the murderer, one hand on the doorknob. When your phone rings, it's the police telling you the suspect is mentally ill and not completely aware of his actions. Would your verdict change? Would you turn the doorknob and step into a world of superficial justice or return to your car and have the tires of judicial evolution make you the bigger person? We all would claim that we would forgive the accused as though his crime was intentional, his motive was not. But in reality, we can't because this exception doesn't fit neatly into our stereotype of intentional murders. We look down upon those defending the damned, as to us, they do it for the blood money, as said by Kevin Davis. But okay, let's hit a, a pause on that thought for a second and head over to New York. It's a chilly day in Manhattan and you contemplate on how the landscape was full of closed doors and windows, both literally and figuratively. As you look up, you see only one open balcony, and that too on one of the high-rise apartments. You let the oddness of this sink in, an open door at near freezing temperatures. You just stand there and keep staring as you have absolutely nothing better to be doing. The prospects to a better future showing just as many closed doors as your surroundings. And suddenly you see it, something falling from the open balcony, a woman. Near seconds later, she's face first into the concrete near your feet. Before, you didn't want to move. Now, you can't move. You feel petrified from head to toe. The still landscape you despised few seconds earlier has now become a symphony of colors and movement as the police arrive. As you follow the detective into the apartment, you see an elderly man frantically looking for his wife. Now, curiosity is filling you up to the brim and you follow the man and the police. Up to the open balcony apartment, the police notice scratch marks on the man's face, which the man dismisses inconclusively. At the observation of bloodstains on the carpet, the man finally confesses that there had been an argument and things have gone south from there. Later, it was observed that the man had an arachnoid cyst filled with fluid, and as his lawyer puzzled, how could a person's behavior not be affected by that? This was the true case of Herbert Weinstein on Jan 7, 1991, at 1.15 p.m where he literally pushed his own wife, whom he loved, out the window to her death. Would justice be served if Herbert Weinstein was deemed guilty or if he was considered innocent? After all, brains don't commit crimes, people do. In the war of medicine versus justice, which one would triumph? Or should one triumph over the other? According to the principle, mens rea, which literally translates to guilty mind, even as old as in ancient Greece, deeming one's guilt was on the basis of if a person knew right for wrong. 
If so, they would be liable to their crime. So is the knowledge of right from wrong and still choosing wrong worse than not even being aware of right from wrong? Is educated bias worse than the comfortable blanket of ignorance? Let's tuck that thought away for now as we travel forward both in time and space to 2012 New Jersey to the house of David Alonzo, a very sensitive, emotional man, the kind of man who cried at movies and who his daughter called her teddy bear, and also was the same man who was later charged for domestic violence. Crazy turn of events? So let's go back to the beginning. It was midnight in New Jersey. Well, technically it was midnight everywhere, but yeah. David Alonzo, who was watching TV earlier, had fallen asleep on the couch. Suddenly jolted awake, he made his way back to his bed. On his way back, he hit his head against the wooden floor and fell unconscious. After 48 hours in the hospital, he was sent home and deemed all better. But he kept saying that someone was coming to kill the family that night. While his family continuously reassured him that they were safe. That night, David Alonzo severely injured his daughter, his wife, and himself beating them repeatedly with the dumbbell. So what turned the teddy bear into a murderer, which is, by the way, the weirdest sentence I've said so far? Well, traumatic brain injuries, which are largely a cause of behavioral changes, are an issue with more than 5.3 Americans. Is it right to sympathize with a murderer, knowing that they are going through a murder of their will of actions each day? Is a murderer less of a murderer if they don't feel like a murderer or if they don't know that they're a murderer? Is a person liable to a crime that their brain, not them, committed? Well, is someone who was earlier afflicted by violence less guilty when afflicting violence on others? Well, David Alonso and Herbert Weinstein may not know the difference between right and wrong, but we do. Are we no more, no less? and just equal to what our brains confine us to be? Are we just slaves to our brains? Is free will yet a mirage built by our desire to be in control? The field of criminal neuroscience is filled with questions, but there are not that many answers, just opinions. So what about you? What's your opinion?